Welcome to All About HR. I'm your host, Tom Horn, and I'm on a journey to learn about all things HR. I'm documenting my conversations with thought leaders, HR professionals, and real employees about everything from recruiting, workplace of the future, benefits, you name it. We're all about HR. Let's go. All right, we are back to another episode of All About HR. I'm really excited about this episode. You know, a lot of my conversations, you know, this show's called All About HR. It's Tom learning all about HR. And a lot of the shows tend to end up coming back to employee experience. And I'm sure this will as well. But I'm really excited for this episode because it is a topic. It's an area of HR and benefits that I know next to nothing about. So today is our guest. We have Courtney Shipley. She is the chief planologist of Retirement Planology, which is a niche firm dedicated to helping employers design, manage, and oversee their employee retirement plan. Most of the time, that's a 401k. She's been doing this very nerdy thing for over 20 years, and their firm has been recognized by Financial Times as a top 401k advisor. Courtney is a top woman advisor by the National Association of Plan Advisors. She is also the upcoming president of the National Group, the Retirement Advisor Council has lots of letters after her name that indicates she's good at passing nerdy retirement plan tests. <laughs> Courtney, welcome to All About HR. Thanks, Tom. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited today to talk about all things HR. This can be good. You know, Courtney and I first met at a conference in Denver. Uh, we endured all the wonderful things that you endure at a concert or concert at a conference. Mm. You know, the interesting bar conversations, the interesting restaurants you find in the city. Uh, we, we had a pretty good time, didn't we? We did. I thought we did pretty well. Coming out of COVID, and it was one of those situations where you're like, am I really fit for public consumption? Can I talk to people anymore? Do I remember how? So, I, for you know, I think we did pretty darn well, all things considered. <laughs> Yeah, it took a little bit to get warmed up, but by the end, uh, right as we we're hitting our stride, we ran into that one conversation uh, of the overbearing, you have to come to my session, oh, and here's yeah, my was... assistant, and you have to buy things from us. And man, that was, I was like, whoa, I forgot. You really got to be careful in some of these conversations out there. We were definitely cornered on that one. <laughs> you were an expert. I think you're the one that uh, pulled us out of it. So thank you for that. Uh, you know, every now and again, you have to plan the escape route. Yes. Always have that escape route. So where are, you, where are you calling us today? You know, last time I saw you, we were in the same place. And now I think we're, <laughs> what, like five, six time zones away. I think that's about right. Um, yeah, so my, my uh, husband has a, a project in Copenhagen, which is in Denmark. And so, yeah, that's uh, I'm tagging along. It's pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. You got some uh, beautiful DC art in the background, so I see. Uh, you know, still keeping your love for uh, the District of uh, of Columbia with you. Oh huh? yeah, absolutely, nation's capital, man. All of it happens there. The big stuff. That's it. That's it. Do you miss? I feel like whenever I lived in DC and I get out, I was always amazed. I was like, oh wow, people aren't just talking politics all the time everywhere. <laughs> it's got to be a nice escape for you just to get out of that a little bit. Well, we were in DC for like 11 years. And prior to that, I was in Nashville, Tennessee. So I still very much remember what it was like to live in a mid-sized city where people were not obsessed with politics all the time. <laughs> um, but yeah, it is, it's really nice to um, be away for a minute. And um, I think anytime... You have the opportunity to see another culture and um, experience it. It makes you appreciate your own country even more in some ways and think about how to incorporate what you observe elsewhere back into your life, too. 
Absolutely. All right, I'm going to throw kind of a curveball just because I've never been to Denmark. What's the best thing you've eaten in Denmark? Oh, man, they have this uh, open face sandwich situation that they have. Oh, yeah. Um, I can't pronounce it. I'm going to try. And all people who know Danish are going to laugh at me, but it's like smorabool. And it's like just little toasts with stuff on top. It could be salmon. It might be shrimp. It might be potato. It might be hard-boiled egg. It might be, yeah, it's just like endless open face sandwich situations. And there's always a new one to try, and they're delicious. <laughs> that sounds absolutely, that's up my alley for sure. Yeah, it's served on this like rye bread. Um, and we were sitting at a, a cafe outdoors, and this guy next to us was just really like ranting about his lunch and how disappointed he was with what he thought was apple pie that he had ordered on the menu, which was not apple pie at all, by the way. Uh, and there was nothing about it that said it would be apple pie, but that's another thing, another story for another day. Um, but anyway, we leaned over because, you know, American English. and like, hey, where are you from? Here's the name of the good pastry shop. Go there. That'll make your life better. He's like, well, anything is better than this Danish seed bread that I just had. <laughs> I was like, Danish seed bread? Oh, you mean the rye bread? You don't like it? And he's like, no, it's calorie free because I didn't eat it. <laughs> like okay <laughs> enjoy the pastries you're telling me you ran into an american trying to order apple pie uh, he he had not enjoyed his lunch <laughs> with the danish seed bread <laughs> in quotes air quotes here um and he had ordered i guess for dessert what he thought was apple pie as a safe bet <laughs> and it wasn't that <laughs> so and he's he was going on to his wife about well, wasn't apple pie invented here and she's like no no, it wasn't. <laughs> I'm like, oh, thank God she said it because I didn't want to have to tell him. <laughs> oh, listen, I'm pretty sure I would enjoy those little rye bread things. Yeah, who doesn't like they a little toast, delicious. you know? Yeah. <laughs> Speak. All right, so speaking of what we like, what do you like as far as listening? What are you listening to right now? Is it a favorite band, a podcast, audiobooks? Like, what do you, what's in your ears these days? Oh, man. Um, I've been digging on. Um, Charles Schwab's podcast called Choiceology. It's Charles Schwab, but it's really Katie Milkman um, from, I believe it's UPenn. And it's just talking about behavioral finance. We're back to the nerdy side again. I'm sorry. You thought I was going to have. Yeah, I know. No, we're here for the nerdy Okay, good good deal. That's why you're here. (laughs) So that. I'm here to learn. (laughs) That's a good one. I like to drop into the uh, YNAB or You Need a Budget YNAB podcast every now and again, too, just to hear about people, cash flow, spending money, saving money, budgeting, all that good stuff. Yeah, I need more of that nerdiness in my life. Uh, Rediscovered a David Gray um, album that I had that was like hiding out. So that was a fun one. Those are just kind of the top hits of the moment. That's a good hit. Oh, and Kurt Vile. Kurt Vile was in town. So I was like, oh, yeah, got to listen to that for a little while. Oh, I love Kurt Vile. I just saw a band called The War on Drugs last night at Red Rocks, and Kurt Vile was one of the founding members of that band. Oh. And he split off and went out and did his own thing, but very very similar. There you, you go. Check them out as well. I'll do it. If you like Kurt Vile, I'll make another pitch for you to listen to War on Drugs. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about Planology. Tell <laughs> me about Planology. Tell me about what initiatives, topics, like tell me about your organization, what you're trying to do. We are trying to help companies make really smart decisions when it comes to their employee retirement plans. So every company probably has a retirement plan or wants one or is thinking about having one, especially with the state mandates coming out that you have to offer something to your employees. So we're trying to help um, 
kind of that small to medium sized market, which is like a thousand employees or less, um, make good decisions about how they construct a, their 401k or their 403b or their 457 or their cash balance plan, whatever it might be. Um, guide them in the right direction, help their employees understand what this awesome benefit is and how to use it, how to incorporate it into their life. And that's that's what we're that's what we're doing. That is all we do, as a matter of fact. <laughs> I mean, there's a need for it because, well, I mean, let's pretend you're talking to someone that knows nothing about setting up retirement plan. Um, all right, it's not pretending. I don't know anything about setting up retirement <laughs> plan. <laughs> like, like where do you, like where would we even like start this conversation? Like, I am so green on this. You know, I get my mm-hmm. plan. I'm like, oh, cool, four hundred one k. And oh, they match. And like, yeah. okay, great. And I sign up, and that's literally as much as I know. So, well, at the very beginning, if I'm a small company, mm-hmm. I start Tom Horn Enterprises, and I'm like, hey, I need a plan. Where do I start? Like, what what's important? Right. Okay. Well. First, if if you're in HR, this is like number, I don't know, 892 on your your list of things you want to concentrate on. Let's start there. So most HR people don't love it because <laughs> it's just one more thing. Same thing with CFOs. Um, but let's say that you're the owner of the company. There could be lots of reasons that you're starting a plan or you're uh, making the one that you have better. And that starts with like, what are you doing for yourself for planning? How are you going to retire someday? And for most Americans, they need to set some money aside. So they're going to need to have something in addition to social security or social insecurity, as I call it, because it's not enough to live on by itself. So um, companies are kind of tasked with financial health of employees in a lot of ways because they're offering or they're they're providing their paycheck, right? That's their stability. Um, they also provide some benefits to help them um, build the basic blocks of their financial plan. And, and the last part of that is, uh, you know, retirement. What happens when you don't want to have to get a paycheck from your employer anymore? How do you become financially independent on your own? And so that starts with some sort of account where you get to set money aside. The business tends to get a tax benefit from it, unless it's a nonprofit. But for the most part, businesses get a tax benefit um, and employees too, because when you put money into your plan, it's uh, either pre-tax, so you're saving on your taxes this year, or if you're doing it post-tax, you save on your taxes in the future. So it's a it's a great conduit for how employees can save so that they don't have to show up at work forever to get a paycheck. They can make their own someday. Excellent. So it sounds like starting with the why, right? Yeah. Like, why are you going to have a plan? So, mm-hmm. so every company is it, has is a different it really purpose. Just holistic, or like, yeah, like what? What are some of the whys uh, that are out there when when organizations are are deciding on plans and next steps? Every every company kind of has a different spin on why they're offering the plan. For some, it's that they just have to offer it because they have to be competitive. So everybody else is offering one in order to get the talent that they need to recruit them over or to retain the talent they have, they have to have a plan like that. Um, It could be that the ownership, um, you know, they've put all their money into their business and now it's time to start looking at how do they save for their own retirement. Or it could be the 
they've got a tax problem. In other words, they don't want to make as they don't want to pay as much in taxes. They would like to give some of it back to the employees instead. Uh, it could be that uh, the organization wants their employees to feel tied to the profitability of the company, so they want to do a profit sharing uh, contribution at the end of the year, or to help them help the employees feel like they have a little bit of ownership on how well the company does. Uh, it could be that they just have it built into their DNA. It's their backbone to be generous. Um, maybe the other benefits aren't great, but they want to, you know, that's very mission-driven work, and so they want to provide a benefit for their employees in that way. Um, or it could be a combination of all those things. So every every company has their own reason for why the plan exists, and that's where you start as far as putting it together and how you design it. So I know... You know, when companies are setting up matching and whatnot, like, is there a better benefit if they if companies match or does that play into this at all? Um, partly. So that goes back to the, the corporate tax savings, any money that they put into the plan. They're also tax sheltering. But, you know, really, it comes down to driving behaviors. Right. So um, it's great to give a match because that incentivizes employees to also want to participate in the plan. And. You, you know, you can stretch that match out and say it's 50% up to 6% or 50% up to 8% or something along those lines, um, dollar for dollar up to three and 50% in the next two to try to get people to take an active role in planning for their own financial future. Because more people spend time um, planning their vacation every year than they ever will on their retirement plan. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, what's the, like, what's a good match in the small business, mm -hmm. the small to medium sized business is there kind of a standard of 3% or 6% and, you know, is, is have you seen one be more attractive or get better returns for participation with employees? So if you just like look across the board and say, what's the most popular match, then more than likely it's going to come out to dollar for dollar up to 4%. That's because there's um, a provision um, that helps employers opt out of non-discrimination testing with the plan. So the IRS wants to make sure that the ownership and the highly compensated employees are not benefiting from using the plan way more than the non-highly compensated. Um, so one way to just pass out of that test altogether is to do a match of 100% up to four. So from a common, what's the most common standpoint? That one. Um, what works really well, though, if you're trying to make sure that employees are on track to getting to retirement is to stretch it out a little bit more. Um, if you do half as much up to six, that's a 3% match, but the way it's constructed is that an employee has to put in the 6% to get there too. So when you add employee at 6%, employer plus three, you get nine, and most people are on track in saving for retirement if they can get up around that 10% mark. So if they can, okay. between what they put in, what the employer puts in, so. Yeah, that was gonna mm -hmm. be my question is like, as the employee now contributing, what's my best practice to, you know, my dad was always like, max out whatever you can. Um, <laughs> uh, like, and it, like, what are the maxes? Like, is there a different max for 401k versus other type of plans? Or yeah. what's that look like for the employer side as far as contributing? So from the employee side, uh, this year is $20,500 if you're under the age of 50. If you're turning 50 or older, you can do up to um, 27000 so um, that's the most you can put in from your own paycheck. And then your employer contributions are on top of that. So no, no worries if you're an employee, you don't have to count that part. Um, other retirement plans, 
like the IRA plans have lower limits. It just depends on which type, simple IRA versus a regular IRA. Um, but that's that's pretty much the rule that you need to think about because the 403B, 401K are the two most common, and those both have that limit. And it's tied to inflation. So, um, you know, we could see a different limit next year. It is updated pretty much every year. Maybe it goes two or three years without changing, but... So with the tie to inflation, is it really, it's, is it about governments not wanting too much untaxed money? That is part of it. That is part of it. Um, There is the Roth contributions now, and those are after tax. And, you know, you could fill your whole bucket up, your own 401k or 403b bucket up with the, the Roth contributions too. So, but that, that was the original. Yes, it had everything to do with the budget <clears throat> um, and, and having tax money <laughs> available. Because anything that you defer into the retirement plan, uh, right, wrong, or indifferent, Congress tends to look at a 10-year window when they're planning out their budget. And so because you can't clearly define that that retirement money will be coming back in that 10-year time frame, uh, they consider it lost until you know way further down in the future. It's not it's not the best practice, but that's just that's how they that's how they measure it. And that's one of the things that we have trouble with when it comes to legislation. Yeah, I can. I mean, the government, they like they like their money. They do. Uh, they like their tax money. And they're good. At, they're good at getting it. And they're good at spending it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Always on the right things, too. Right. But you asked when uh, what employees should aim for as far as putting into the plan. Yes. Uh, you know, that 10 percent mark. That 10% mark is a good one to aim for between what you as an employee and the employer put in. That's a great rule of thumb. And for many people, the um, you know the math works out. And the better answer, though, <laughs> is to go out to a retirement calculator. There's one on you know Vanguard or Fidelity or you, know, you can find a, a bunch on Google. Type in how much you've already saved um, and some of the parameters about when you want to retire, what kind of, uh, money you might need in the future, things like that. And then you can drill down to how much you actually need to save. I just did that recently and I need to save a little bit more than I am. Well, probably (laughs) one of the problems is that we ask people to put money into their plan in the form of a percentage and we're terrible at percentages. (laughs) Yes. What, you know, what's one percent of your check? I I don't know. <laughs> I mean, one penny out of every dollar you make. All right, hold on. I got to add some things up. You know, so um, that is part of the problem. But one piece of advice is like, hey, just bump it up one percent every three months or whenever your employer will let you do it. Just see if you die. <laughs> if you don't die, just keep going. <laughs> no, that's that's not nice. I mean, if you can live without it, then. Keep putting money in until it's like, oh, this hurts now, and then back it off a little bit. Yeah, that's that's my plan right now, and I was going to ask about that. Is I'm just going to slowly start ramping up. I feel like I've got some room. Yeah. And I was going to say, how do I go about it? And it sounds like just slowly ramp it up. Yeah. And then you find your spot and then pull it back. Yeah, for one of our clients right now, we're doing a uh, plus 1% <laughs> campaign. And so it's, the, you know, why don't you step it up? Why don't you try stepping it up this year just by 1% see what happens? Uh, this is also part of a, a long-term campaign with them because you've already talked to the employees about the concept of what if it just automatically went up? Would you even notice it? And um, they were actually all in favor of having automatic increase. The problem was we couldn't get it to execute quite right with the payroll side. Um, and that is one of the 
one of the problems that HR people bring up and we bring up to them is that the operations side of getting money from one place to another and raising people's percentages and keeping track of all of that can be cumbersome. So in this case, back to your love of HR tech, those things don't talk to each other sometimes. <laughs> um, uh, everyone out there hear that? Let's yeah. make sure we're getting it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we're it's part of a, a long-term campaign to to get people to increase how much they're putting in baby steps. Tomorrow guys problem. Let's let's bump it up 1%. Bump it up 1%. I like the campaign. I'm in. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to dig into a little bit of like what are the different options? You've mentioned 403B. I've never ever heard of that. Well, that's for nonprofits. Yeah. IRA and simple IRA yeah. and um, we'll go through what some of those options are. We'll talk about keeping that top of mind with benefits. Okay. And we'll be right back to continue the conversation in just a moment. All right. It is time for the HR hot sauce. Courtney, are you ready? <laughs> as ready as I'm going to be, I guess. <laughs> what is the best job you have ever had? Scooping ice cream. What's one phrase at work that drives you nuts? Oh, anything with like synergy in it. <laughs> <laughs> do you like working on rainy or sunny days i like working at both but uh you know sunny days outside is always good how can someone make your day at work just just be kind best useless skill i have so many useless <laughs> skills like being obsessed with formatting in word for example <laughs> favorite interview question to ask or be asked yeah i always like hearing about how you overcame a hard time. Like, what's a display of resilience here? Excellent. Medium, mild, hot, or nuclear? I tend to go with medium. And then if it's cool, then I'll go hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you ramp it up from I ramp there. it up. Favorite song to bring you out of a funk? Um, still be digging on James Brown by Tower of Power. All right, you did it. You're bam, done bam, with bam, the HR bam, hot sauce. Bam, bam, bam. Yep, it's going to be good. We're even getting a sample? No. Man, what a great hot sauce. <laughs> you know, there is a song by Steve Miller Band called Eatin' Hot Chili. Have you heard it? Uh, I have not, but I know him. It's like a deep track off of the, one of their records. All right, we're getting back to the show. Let's do it. All right, and we are back. Talk with Courtney. Talking about financial benefits. So we've talked a lot about 401k, and you mentioned mm-hmm. 403b, mm-hmm. and Uh, Roth and simple IRA and IRA. Can you define what some of these different options are for organizations to, you know, to to have or extend these different benefits? Yeah, sure. So let's start at the bottom of that pyramid with just the regular IRA. And this is the crux of the state mandated programs that we're seeing come out. There's 13 states that have already um, either passed legislation or have some in, in process to say, hey, smaller businesses, you know, I would say probably five or more employees, sometimes 10 more employees. It just depends on the state. You have to offer a retirement plan. And the reason for that is because if they, if an employee has that ability to save, they're, uh, I think it's 13 times more likely to put money away for retirement than if they don't have it offered through work. So from a uh, let's, oh, wow. let's get everybody covered standpoint, because you know not all companies offer a retirement plan, only about... 50%, 40, 40 to 50% had that coverage. Now the states are stepping in and say, let's help fill that gap. So you could be required to have that if you're a smaller business and, and um, you're falling into one of those states. And 
in that case, it's probably like a six or $7,000 limit. Um, you're just helping people save for retirement. Um, and the rules vary on whether or not you have to put an employer contribution in. Then the next one up to consider for employers under 100 employees is the simple IRA. Um, has a lower limit than the 401k plan, but it doesn't, or the 403b, and it doesn't have any of the hoops that you have to jump through for government reporting. There's no tax filing, 5500 form or anything like that that goes with it. Um, there's no non-discrimination testing. It requires a match or a what they call non-elective. So thank you for breathing and working here. Here's your contribution. Um, there's some other rules. The IRS website, though, on this one is actually phenomenal. I, I can't even believe that came out of my mouth that the IRS Can website is good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you just go to the IRS website, look up Simple IRA. It has all the rules. They are clearly spelled out. Um, the next thing that you'd want to consider would be the 401k plan. You would want to consider a 403b plan if you are a nonprofit company. Um, so that's that's their tax code that goes with that. And they can actually have either one. For-profit companies are stuck with the 401k. And this is where you can start... Um, putting some rules around when a person becomes eligible for the plan. You can be flexible about that match uh, or profit sharing. You've got a lot more um, bells and whistles that go with it and also fiduciary responsibility. And this is where folks like me come in handy, folks like our firm, um, to help human resources, people who are often tasked with the care and feeding of these plans to make sure that all the fiduciary responsibilities are are met, they're followed, the best practices are, are out there, they're aware of them, they've got the right training in place. Um, and they've got somebody else next to them to help take that investment liability for selecting and monitoring um, what goes into the retirement plan on the investment side. Can you uh, define fiduciary for me? <laughs> like, I, I know what it is, but I've never heard someone just define it. So I'll see if you can take a crack at that one for me. Well, it is someone who's acting in, they're, they're putting their interests aside, right, below yours. They're acting in your best interest. So the way that I like to talk about this for retirement plans is if you're charged with, like, taking care of your mom's money, what kind of decisions would you make on her behalf? You know, what kinds of things would you consider? You'd have a due process on everything. You wouldn't just be like, oh, this looks good. We'll just throw our money into that. <laughs> you know, you would go through. Right. You would take care. Um, you would ask all the questions. You would define the the problems to solve um, and the, the options for the solutions. And you would be careful. You would exercise that care um, in putting her interests ahead of your own. Um, so you're not there to, to benefit yourself to say, well, mom's money is going to be mine someday. So I'm going to do this with it. Uh, that's, that's not how this, this would work. So is that, is that better to give you an example than a bunch of fancy language? I think there's an impression out there that, you know, when you invest the money, the people that take the money go, Ooh, good. We can make a bunch of money off of your money. And that's their main focus. But really right. the focus should be, and is a fiduciary responsibility to do what's best with your money for you. And if they can do better on their side, awesome as well, right? Right, that... yeah. And, and when you think about um, a retirement plan that's offered to all of the employees that work at your company, you have to have enough options in there for anybody at any stage in their career to be able to make a good portfolio to invest themselves for retirement. And that's not an easy task. 
You know, you've got different people who are not only from a different age parameter, but also they just might feel differently about money. Demographically speaking, they might they might have different needs. You may have different types of workers who retire at different times due to stress on the body, whatever it is. So taking into account who you have and then constructing the plan for those people is really important. And that's also where that fiduciary responsibility comes in because you have to continue you have to continually monitor the plan and make sure that it really does fit your people. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that actually leads me into the next wait, did we finish the pyramid? I want to make sure. Yeah. I took us on a fiduciary. It was tangent, only a three but... level pyramid. It started with IRA, okay. went to simple IRA and then went into four oh one K land. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure, you know, I didn't tangent us out of uh, now we're good. Mm -hmm. You know, you you have this plan. This has been great. Like I'm actually expanding my knowledge here. So that's, that's what this is all about. Well, there is one more. There's the SEP IRA. There's a SEP IRA, but that's that one. You should, you should go to the IRS website and read all about that one. Cause it's not for everybody. It works really well for self-employed. Yeah. You just get more flexibility with the 401k than that. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. I'll make sure we get a link yeah. uh, to that in our show notes uh, just to make this easy for everybody. <laughs> so you have this plan, you roll it out. What you see is a company makes the decision, they mm-hmm. get their plan together and they roll it out and you think about it during open enrollment and you don't think about it again until either you get, hey, here's your match for the year or next year's open enrollment. Mm-hmm. What are some, like, how do you make this more of a living conversation because investing, I mean, it's changing every day and the markets are changing and, and your needs throughout the year change. Like how do you keep this top of mind for employees and how, how can organizations make sure they're really getting a benefit? Cause it sounds like it's a pretty big investment on the uh, employer side. It is, a, it is both in time and in money, because if you think about any benefit that you add, that's taking money away from making your widgets or investing for the future of the company, right? So you want to make sure that employees understand and appreciate that plan. And you're right. A lot of time, the challenge is how do we make this a living, breathing thing rather than just the open enrollment time? One thing to consider is that employees who are stressed out financially are not very productive workers, right? If you're if you're distracted, you're thinking about your money, you got problems at home, whatever, then you're not going to be the most productive you could be. And so what we do is we offer different education throughout the year on different topics that are related to finances and also incorporate benefits too. basics of financial planning. Um, how does a disability policy fit into that? The disability insurance that, that the benefit that the employer offers, or how does the life insurance benefit fit in with that too? Talking through, you know, why retirement is important and how to, how to construct how to construct your your financial plan where it ends in financial independence and how we take the small bites at a time to eat the elephant. Also, trying to educate them on investing. And whenever the market drops, it's a great time because everybody is all of a sudden like, oh, (laughs) what's happening? What's happening to my account? It's really hard when the market is good all the time (laughs) to reach people, uh, believe it or not. And that's when we, you know, we try to remind them, hey, things are going well now. This is not the time to take more risk necessarily. So it's kind of the the flip side of that. And there's always a reason not to invest like you can always talk somebody out of it. You can always talk somebody into it too, because there's never a bad time. You have to make it relevant to where employees are. And so anytime they have a change in their life, that's a time when they need to revisit probably their beneficiary forms, their retirement, you know, probably what else is going on in their, their benefits as well. So whatever way you can work towards making the message relevant 
is probably the most impactful time to impress upon someone how important their benefits are. Are there, I mean, are there best practices you've seen from clients that really have engaged employee populations in in their investing? Is there like monthly updates or is there, you know, what are some of the best practices that you can do to get that in front of your team? Well, the employee survey side is really important because if you can answer the the most frequently asked questions, that's always important, right? Um, so being able to figure out what topics are, are top of mind for people that they want to hear about. And, um, you know, there's always a few that are, that are going to be top of mind. One is cash flow or the budgeting side of things. Um, for example, using your benefits better is another one. Um, the other thing to be thinking about is if you have a, a wellness plan with your health, uh, your health plan, mm-hmm. you know, the, the steps challenge, the pedometer challenge, or the giving everybody points for doing certain activities, go ahead and make that a 360 program and throw in the financial side to it too, because that is part of people's wellness overall. Um, so being able to have webinars that they attend, that they get points from, or, um, you know, you don't have to gamify everything, but uh, <clears throat> at least it does work. It does. Work. It does. <laughs> Incentivizing people to go with being entered in a drawing, you know, at the end of the year, things along those lines. Those are also very good practices as well to make it more relevant throughout the year. And also just encourage participation because a lot of times what happens is a wellness, a financial wellness specifically program is offered. You know, it's, it's software driven. People don't want to log in or those that do, it's very low uptake rates. It's like 15% of the population that will actually log in. And it's an even more dismal rate for those who will actually complete the the program. So having a human interact with your humans is very important. That part of things, it's not just about education. It's about checking back. It's about the accountability. It's about personalizing it to their situation. So having um, either the 800 number or the people like the ones on my team who can come out and talk with people individually so that they can get their questions answered to their specific situation is really important. That is helpful. I think just keeping top of mind, that's where I feel like just so many organizations miss out on all benefits Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. in general, but I think this one uh, particularly. um, So you have to be creative to get that out in front of people consistently. So is it a good time right now? The market's kind of funky. It's kind of all over the place. It's kind (laughs) of low. So is should I be, you know, I don't, you can't give me investment advice, but in general, is it a good time to be contributing more to your plans or is it volatile or I don't know if that's a loaded question or not. No, it's, it's cool. You can ask that. So here's the deal. You got to pick a good strategy and you have to stick with it. Investing is something that happens slowly over time. So you, I mentioned earlier, you can't eat the elephant all in one bite. You have to take lots of small bites, you know, to get there. So when it comes to investing in your 401k or 403b plan, the most important thing is how much you put in. That is what has the biggest impact on how much you'll have down the road. So being able to put a good amount in that you can afford, that's step one, figure that out. Um, Step two, I would say, is figure out what kind of an investor you are. Typically, plans have the hands-on approach. They have the hands-off approach. If you're a hands-off investor, just understand what what's in there, what you're investing in, um, or what is being done on your behalf. Um, if you're an invest-myself kind of person, pick a good strategy based on your risk tolerance and stick with it. And almost every 401k provider that we work with anyway has those types of calculators or risk quizzes online that you can take. 
So once you've picked that strategy, the most important thing then is to be consistent and keep contributing. And I know you said the market doesn't look great right now. It's lower than it has been. But here's the deal. When the market goes down, if you can trick your brain into thinking that it's like you walked into the mall and you're looking at a 30% off sale, (laughs) of course you want to go in there and buy stuff, right? It's 30% off. (laughs) of course that's what you want to think about the stock market too when it goes down like that it's on sale (laughs) so of course you want to buy on sale um that makes sense because you have to buy low and then sell high right (laughs) um the other yeah that's the plan so so remember the buy low part don't just uh don't flip that around Stay the course, just keep contributing because the market's gonna go up, it's gonna go down, uh, it's gonna go sideways. Don't worry about it. Keep your eyes on your own paper. Just look at that statement, throw it in the drawer, keep putting money in. I love it. I love talking to you about this. You're you're actually a really fun to talk to about finance. And I oh, think thank that's God. probably as good a compliment <laughs> as I can give anybody right? <laughs> is that they make this conversation fun. So I, re- I really appreciate it. Oh. <laughs> We should talk about investment policy statements and <laughs> committee charters and <laughs> woo! We'll have to have you back. We'll party have to party. Have you back for yeah. Committee charters. <laughs> Sorry, go on. So no, uh, th- this has been excellent, uh, Courtney. Where can people, uh, where can people find you? What's your company website? I'll put it all in the notes, but give yourself a little plug uh, on our on our way out here. Yeah, it's retirementplanology.com. You probably would like to uh, cyberstalk us on our blog where we post a lot of fun articles there. You can also find me on LinkedIn. We have a company page on LinkedIn too. Um, I don't know the URL off the top of my head. Mine is linkedin.com forward slash backslash forward slash C Shipley. So it's real easy to find. You can follow me there. We do um, a number of LinkedIn lives, probably uh, one to two a month. So lots of content to consume there as well. Fantastic. Courtney, thank you for your time. I've learned all about investing in HR today. This has been fantastic. Great. Hope to see you again soon. Okay. Thank you very much. And everybody, thanks for listening. It's been a great episode of All About HR. We'll see you back here in a couple of weeks. Take care. Understand, engage, inspire, and retain your people like never before. People Element's employee experience and engagement solution delivers powerful intelligence, giving you the confidence to act. To learn how you can gain a better understanding of your employees, please visit us at peopleelement.com.